Well, thank you, worship team. Please be seated. That was a little bit of country rap. That was cool. Good. Ah. When you're doing the children's story, I don't have it written down. And I've discovered as I get close to that 70 years old, um, short-term memory just kind of goes weird. I have to write everything down. So... My sermons, I have to write everything down because it's all of a sudden just goes out of your brain. Well, we are in the last week of our series called Blessed. We've been looking at some of the unique ways that God has blessed us and the way he blesses us. And he has blessed us because Jesus endured the worst so that we can be our best. As we head into the month of February... We are going to change series. We're going to be looking at the fantastic story of Moses and the miracle at the Red Sea. So I'm calling it Faith Lessons at the Red Sea. We're going to encounter, uh, well, when you, and I'm sure you have encountered issues in life where you're kind of caught between the devil and the deep blue sea or stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're in a difficult situation and you have to choose between two unequally pleasant courses of action. So what do you do? And the Bible has some faith lessons to help us through those difficult seasons of life. And we're going to focus on Exodus chapter 14. So you might want to read the first 14 chapters of Exodus in these next two weeks to kind of get the context. And uh, we'll be starting that on February 12th. But back to our topic this morning, blessed. Our first talk showed that we're blessed with a need. We need a spiritual family with refrigerator rights, that is, close relationships with a few people. And then we can be barefoot buddies, where there no perfect people are allowed. Now, two weeks ago, we saw that we're blessed with a desire to worship. God is the audience of one, and we have an inbuilt desire to worship him. This worship is directed towards God in different ways in different people. And we looked at nine different sacred pathways that people use to worship Jesus. Now, last week, we encountered the idea that we're blessed to be a blessing, and uh, we looked at how God uses people to accomplish the work of the kingdom. He gives resources to people, and he blesses people so that they can be generous and be a blessing to others. So, as uh, a follower of Christ, we remember, God is my provider. I have more than enough, and God has blessed us to give joyfully, extravagantly, and sacrificially. People will look at you and praise God in heaven because you have been a blessing to so many. Today, in our final blessed series, we're going to look that we are blessed to share his story. We're blessed to share God's story. We're born into the family of God. We're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a disciple of Jesus Christ is like a student, or in Hebrew it was the Talmud, Talmudic or Talmudim, as the, the whole group is called. You kind of think of it as an apprentice. You're an apprentice as you learn from the master. We are blessed by God to share Christ with those who do not know him. Now, the common term for this sharing idea is evangelism, or being an evangelist. It comes from the Greek euangelion. And euangelion in the New Testament, every time you read that, it is translated as either good news or the gospel. 
the good news, the euangelion, and evangelism is telling the good news. Now, here is some video of some quotes by famous evangelists. Just sit back and, and kind of read them out to yourself. Some uh, great quotes there. There was a book called In the Day That America Told the Truth, uh, 1991, so it, it puts it a few years back. But the survey was done, and they and ranked integrity. And they asked people about, you know, these jobs. Who would you put where? It was interesting. A tele-evangelist came 71 out of 73 in integrity and honesty. They ranked lower than lawyers, car salesmen, and prostitutes. The only two that were lower in ranking were drug dealers and organized crime. Uh, kind of doesn't sound really great. There's our extreme emotions surrounding evangelism. It brings up feelings of skepticism and resistance. Don't push your religion on me. 
Don't convert me. Don't tell me about that Jesus stuff. Keep it to yourself. It's fine for you, uh, but I'm okay, thanks. For the believers, uh, evangelism brings up two emotions. Often, guilt. I'm not reaching people for Jesus. I know I should, but it's just not happening, so I feel guilty. Or maybe fear. I don't want to mess up. What if I say the wrong thing? There are fears of rejection, fears of awkwardness. What if I push too hard? What if I'm offensive? What if I go out and say, hey, you know, I'm a believer and you should be too, and then I do something stupid. And they look at me and go, you're nothing but a hypocrite. We need to remember that we are blessed by God to share his story. Now, many of us are afraid to share our faith, and yet we're blessed by God to do so. It's part of who we are as Christ followers. Now, if you feel insecure about sharing your faith, I can relate to you. Um, back in 1973, I was on what was called a SWIFT team. Our fellowship had these groups that went to mission fields and did stuff. And I was going on a mission trip to Columbia, South America. And so we were in Toronto, and we were having a week of training. And uh, so we all got this little booklet called Four Spiritual Laws. How many remember Four Spiritual Laws? Yeah, some of you were probably saved by reading Four Spiritual Laws and put out by Campus Crusade at the time. So we were to go out on the beach in Toronto, and uh, we were to, uh, to just go out for the afternoon, try and engage people in conversation, maybe get them, you know, have you ever heard of the Four Spiritual Laws? And uh, so we did all that in the afternoon, and then we headed back to the training center for a debriefing. And so people are telling their stories, their experiences of the day. Unfortunately, I never had a great experience to share. The others are telling about revivals on the beach and all kinds of stuff. And I felt like Charlie Brown. You remember Charlie Brown in that TV special for Halloween? They went out trick-or-treating. And the whole group of kids are there. And some says, I got candy, I got chips, I got cookies. And Charlie Brown says, I got a rock. Have you ever felt insecure? about sharing your faith. I want to show you today that we are blessed to share Christ. And we look at the Apostle Paul as a great model for us, and maybe he can inspire us in that. 1 Corinthians 9. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. He's saying, I, I made myself a slave to everyone. I'd win as many as possible. Uh, you know, I, he was adapting to the cultures in which he found himself. To the Jewish people, he, he became Jewish. To the Gentile people, he became Gentile, just to understand and relate to them so he could share Jesus. But he continues in the next verses this. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may, what? Share in its blessings. God has blessed us to share his story. These are the blessings. There are blessings to be had when sharing Jesus. Blessings that many of us don't experience in our lives. Yet God has blessed us in the kingdom of God to share his story. Those of you who are Christ followers, you are blessed by God to share Jesus with those who do not know him. If you're a little insecure, if you're hesitant... What I want to do today is just to show you four very unlikely evangelists in the Bible. When you see their story, you might say to yourself, well, hey, um, they didn't know all that much. They weren't highly trained. I can relate to them. 
When you see how God used them, you might be inspired to recognize just how God can use you. Anyone can experience the blessings that you get when you share your story about your relationship with Jesus. So four unlikely evangelists. Number one, the first unlikely evangelist was the Samaritan woman. Sometimes all you can do is invite someone to come and see. Hey, come and see for yourself what's going on here. And then you let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Why was this Samaritan woman an unlikely evangelist? Well, she had three strikes against her. The common prayer of a religious Jewish man in that day, it's recorded in, in, uh, the, in the Mishnah, common prayer a man would say every day. This is very offensive, but that's okay. If you were living 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. God in heaven, I thank you that I was not born a woman, a Samaritan, or a dog. I would say that every morning. Well, this woman, she was a woman. Number one, not thought of that highly. Not only was she a woman, number two, she was a Samaritan woman. Totally despised by the Jewish people. Her third big problem is that she had been around the block. Most people would say that she was immoral. Why would God use her? One day this woman went to the village well to draw some water and she encountered Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, can I have some water? First of all, she was surprised. Here was a Jew who actually spoke with her. Why are you talking to me? She was confused. I can't believe we're having this conversation. Jesus said, well, if you knew who I was... You'd ask me for some of my water, and I'd give you living water. When you taste of the living water, you will never, ever thirst again. Now she was intrigued, because he was being respectful and kind and offering some living water. And Jesus throws in the kicker, well, go get your husband. Now she was ashamed. Well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're shacking up with right now, he's not your husband. Now she was perplexed. How do you know this? You must be a prophet. You know, we know there's one coming who will be the Messiah, the Savior. And Jesus said, well, you're talking to him right now. Now she was convinced. And here's what she did. John 4, 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. All she did was say, come and see. Come and check it out for yourself. There's something different. There's something special. All she said was, hey, come and check it out for yourself. Later in the story, it says that many of the Samaritans believed because of her story, because of her invitation. Many came to believe simply because she invited them to come and see. Do you realize that you can do this all the time within our church? A worship service, a special speaker, special seminars, children's programs, youth programs, come and see. You can invite people to our online worship service. They can be in Ladysmith or friends from around the world. You can invite people just to come and see. The Samaritan woman teaches us that sometimes all you have to do is just invite someone to observe what God is doing. And who knows what God might do in their lives. There are times when we can just invite people to come and check it out. Now, the second and likely evangelist is that we see in Scripture is a guy that was born blind. 
and Jesus healed him. The story teaches us that sometimes all you have to do is share your story. Now, this man's background was that he was born blind, and for his entire life as a kid, all he saw was black. And now as an adult, he still couldn't see. One, Jesus, one day, Jesus comes up to him and uh, reaches down, gets some dirt, spits on it, makes it into mud, puts it on the guy's eyes, and he says, now go wash in the pool of Shalom. The guy does it. When he opened his eyes, for the first time ever, he saw colors and shapes and trees and birds and clouds and people, and he must have been extremely confused. What is all of this? And some insensitive Pharisees, very religious guys, they uh, started debating his healing. That's not really real. This, this Jesus guy, he's a false prophet. And they tried to engage in a debate with this guy who had just been healed. Jesus can't be from God. And they said to him, tell us what you think. Here's how he replied, John 9, 25. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Here's my story. Jesus did it. I've never been the same because of what he did. He simply told his story. And you can tell your story in so many different ways. Maybe your story is, I was searching all my life and I felt empty and I prayed out to Jesus and he brought a deep and fulfilling satisfaction. Might be, and I've heard these stories, I was hooked and addicted and I met Jesus and I had the strength to eventually break free of my addictions. Other stories might be, my marriage was in big trouble, heading for divorce, and we met Jesus and now we've got this incredible marriage. Maybe it's, I grew up in the church, but suddenly one day I realized that I needed Jesus too. There were no big disasters in my life, but I was still a sinner. Whatever your story is, you can tell it, and you can say, well, I don't have a dramatic story. Just understand, your story is special and will minister to someone. Your story counts. Your story matters. You can tell your story in all sorts of ways. You can, if you're an artist, you can paint your story. If you're a musician, you can put your story to music. You can put your story on Facebook, you can blog about your story, you can just tell your story. You are blessed to share your story about God. It's as simple as someone saying, hey, come and see. Or other times it's as simple as saying, here's what he did for me. Here's my story. By sharing your story, you're sharing his story. Here's a picture of a courtroom. And you'd have to say, well, which one is the good news? The lawyer or the witness? Too often we try to be the lawyer arguing for the truth. When most often in Scripture, the followers of Jesus were simply asked to be the witness. Tell their story. A witness to the experiences of life and expressing the hope that is within us. We are called to be witnesses not lawyers. Engaging in conversation can sometimes be a, a bit tricky. Here's a bit of an illustration of what conversations look like. And uh, there are opportunities to discuss the deeper meanings of life. And you, you've had this happen, I'm sure. On the outer edge is uh, things that we talk about, right? And this is what we do with most people. We talk about the environment, the weather, Crazy weather we're having today, isn't it? Gorgeous weather we have today. You know, it's going to snow tomorrow. Um, we, we talk about the weather. We just try to think of something that we can talk about. 
or material reality, stuff that's going on, maybe work, something. But that's, that's the outer layer of the onion. Sometimes as you talk with people, you begin to uh, engage with them. And it, sometimes it goes very quickly. You know, it can be on the bus and suddenly you're off talking about things. But you move into inner, where you talk about behavior. You know, our preferences for schools or where we went on holiday or we begin to tell a little bit more of our story, what we like, things we like, things we like to do. Not just on the environment, it's about me. And once you start talking about me, eventually you begin to talk about values. What is appropriate behavior or sexual morality? We begin to say what we really think. That takes a little bit of time. We don't do that on the, on the outside service. But as you get to know somebody, you begin talking about values. And as you talk about values, pretty soon you are talking about beliefs, the value of human life, the purpose of sex, what it's all about. You, you begin to give your beliefs. And finally, if you get into that, you get into that really core where you talk about your worldview, the overall structure of life or the story that provides the ultimate meaning to life. And hopefully, as a believer in Jesus Christ, God is in your worldview. The cross of Christ is part of your worldview. But as you begin to talk with people, you will begin to move and you'll suddenly recognize, wait a minute, we're not talking about the weather anymore. They jumped to values already. You're beginning to talk and have that conversation. E. Stanley Jones was a Methodist missionary in India during the time of Mahatma Gandhi. So it puts us way back in the in the mid-20th uh, century, he used what was called round-table discussions with Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, and Christians. And he invited everybody to these conversations around the table. There'd be all kinds of different faiths. Now, they did not argue the logic of their particular religious system. Rather, they explained how the ultimate concerns of life were experienced through their personal faith experience. And he encouraged each of them to explain how their faith made their lives meaningful and good. So Jones used this room created by these discussions to speak of how Jesus gave meaning and goodness in his life. Here's his remark. He remarked that over the years, in almost every instance, Jesus came out on top. And he influenced many people to check out Jesus. You see, we need to hear the struggles of others as they search for meaning and goodness in their lives. With such a conversation, when such a conversation occurs around the significant issues of life, we begin to share values and beliefs and worldview. Then we have an opportunity to speak of Jesus, who is at the center of our search. And in any environment, Jesus shines. By sharing your story, you're real, sharing your story, you're really telling his story. Uh, Navigators has some practical tips on sharing your story. Here they are, very quickly. Just live your life. Just live your life. Show dignity to others. Get out of your way to show dignity to others and, and hear them. Listen and be alert for opportunities to go deeper with them. And above all, listen well. Share your story, but leave room for conversation. And stop when others start telling you their story. Listen. Enter into their story. 
Share truth, but don't be concerned if you can't get into the whole thing yet. Sometimes the opportunities to invite others are come and see. Other times we actually get to share our story. But then there's a third, a third person in Scripture that tells uh, is an unlikely evangelist, quite unlikely. You wouldn't have thought of it first. Her name is Tabitha in Aramaic, or Dorcas if you spoke Greek. And she teaches us the principle, you can share Christ by simply giving your life away. In Acts 9, it says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. God blessed her with a burden, and her burden was for widows, because in her time, the law stated that when a husband died, his possessions would go to his son, who would take care of his mother. Now, if the son was a deadbeat, he might squander all the wealth away in a matter of weeks or months. Then the poor widow would be left with nothing. Or maybe there was no son. Then the property would go to another man in the family, and this widow would be left high and dry. It's the way it was. Result was there were many widows that had almost no means to support themselves. God blessed Dorcas with a burden for these widows. So Dorcas prayed for them. She prayed with them. She got involved in their lives. She would make clothes for them when they didn't have clothes. She raised money for them to help them get food. She was so loving, so caring that she earned the right to be heard. People loved her because she was involved in their lives. And here's what's amazing. Her ministry was so valuable that when she died, God raised her from the dead by the hand of the Apostle Peter. That's how valuable she was because she got involved in the lives of people. We can do the same thing. You just give your life away in the name of Jesus and people will want to know, do you really care? Do you really mean it? Just get involved in people's lives and all of a sudden they say, something's different about you. Why are you doing this? Now you have a right to share Jesus because you've loved them and because you've cared. You're blessed to share Jesus. Sometimes it's simple as to say, come and check it out. Other times it's, uh, let me tell you my story. Sometimes it's just, let me serve you and give my life away. And then there's one other unlikely evangelist whose name is Peter, and he teaches us sometimes it's right to get in somebody's face. There are times when you just have to confront lovingly in the name of Jesus. That's Peter. Peter was a ready-aim-fire kind of guy. And uh, he got into lots of trouble with Peter, with, the other dis- with uh, Jesus, with the other disciples. You know, he's just like, let's go do this. Jesus said, I got to go to Jerusalem to die. And Peter said, no way, that is not happening. And he basically rebuked Jesus. When Jesus was being arrested by the Roman soldiers, uh, Peter got his concealed weapon, his sword, and he swung for the head of a soldier, clipped the ear off, and Jesus had to stop the whole thing to heal the ear. That's just how Peter was, you know, confrontational. God chose him. Now, even though he messed up over and over again, God still chose him to be the guest speaker on the day of Pentecost. In Jerusalem, just seven weeks after Jesus rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit came on 120 followers of Jesus. They were meeting in the upper room in Jerusalem, Peter got up on one of the uh, teaching platforms. As you go up to the temple in Jerusalem, they have discovered that all along the uh, journey way, the the road to the temple, up to the temple from the Pool of Siloam to the temple, there are these platforms on the way. And 
there would be different rabbis, different speakers would get on these little things on the side of the road and they would begin to teach. That's probably where Peter was. As he was standing there, he didn't have a feel-good message, you know, hey, come to Jesus and he'll make you happy. What did he do? He basically said, you are sinners, you are going to hell, you need to turn. If you don't turn now, you're in big, big trouble. He confronted them very directly and very boldly. Notice the intensity of his words in Acts 2. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Says that over 3,000 people responded to that message. 3,000 saved. Wow. Peter was blessed to share God's story. And there will be times when the Holy Spirit of God will prompt you and show you it's time to get in someone's face and confront them. But I will say, make sure it's the Holy Spirit prompting you. There are just too many angry people out there. And we resist an angry preacher. Perhaps you're with your dad sometime who's not a believer and you just feel burdened for him. You just feel this burden. You're like, Dad, I need to talk to you. We need to have a spiritual conversation. You might be thinking, why am I thinking this now? And it could be that your dad's going to have a heart attack in two weeks and God gave you a burden. Could be that you're talking to someone you don't know very well and the Holy Spirit moves you and you feel you have to ask a hard question. Where are you spiritually? Let's talk about it but you confront in a loving and bold way. You know, it's, it's not a game. There are no second chances. Once your life is done, it's done. Recognize just how blessed you are. You are blessed with a need. You need each other. You experience him best when two or three gather together in his name. You are blessed with a desire to worship. You just want to worship something, and it is someone the audience of one. You're blessed to be a blessing because God is your provider and He's more than enough. Jesus calls you, but you don't live for your own selfish gain, but for the glory of God and to serve others. You're blessed to share Jesus. When you know Him, you can't hold Him to yourself. You are blessed to show Jesus. Just recognize how blessed you are and live in the fullness of the blessings of a God who will do more in you and through you than you can even ask, think, or imagine. So this morning, think about someone who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your friend. Maybe it's your old college roommate or the person you work with, the person you see at the gym, the person you see at Starbucks, your boss, or the person that reports to you. Think of one or two or three or five or 20. And I want you to commit to pray for them. I want you to ask God to use you. Draw them to you, God. Draw them to yourself and use us, God, to share Christ. Scripture says that the only way that anyone ever will be saved is by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in him alone. There is no other way. The Bible says it's never, ever by works, by the good things that we do. We have no ability to work our way to God, 
to be good enough. As we looked at this morning, our sin separates us from a holy God. And God cannot even look upon sin. That's why it's so important for Jesus, the Son of God, to be born of a virgin. He did not inherit the sin nature passed on through the Father because his Father was God in heaven who had no sin. So Jesus lived a perfect life as the innocent Lamb of God without any kind of blemish so that he could be our sacrifice. Jesus died in our place on the cross. He came, became sin. He died with our sin on him and he rose again on the third day. The Apostle Peter on that day of Pentecost encouraged his audience with these words. He said, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Now that truth still holds true today. You may feel like you're so far from God. It doesn't matter. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. You call out on his name. Jesus, save me. And as you call on him in a moment, you will be born again. The Holy Spirit will fill you. You will be able to talk to God. You will be different. You will change to become more like God's Son, Jesus. Let that be your prayer today. Jesus, save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I give my life to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. We'll ask uh, Carmen to come up and do the pastoral prayer for us this morning.